Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sisternino back for our second week of the Amazing Race 32. And we are so excited to talk about this trip to Colombia here today with our Amazing Race panel, of course. First, our chief Amazing Race correspondent. Her future is so bright that she has to wear shades. Here is Jessica Lee. Jess, how are you? Oh, it's back to the salt mines, Rob. Back to the salt mines. Yes. Yes. Uh, not the galactic salt mines. But <laughs> no, this not, is... the, not the spice mines. Um, no, no. Uh, so uh, it was a fun night for the Amazing Race. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was great. It's really I, I'm just happy to have it back in my life and that it's back in my life and it doesn't suck is just icing on the cake. OK, of course, uh, back with us once again, a man who has a tricked out dump truck that is uh his very own mr mike bloom mike how are you rob why are you talking about my butt like that Shh. full bloom <laughs> very oh boy. appropriate yes well, and 10 seconds into the yeah, podcast it's early it's early we're recording this in, in the morning it's early for that mike uh, rob <laughs> why do you not think i'm like this 24 7 there's no clock when it comes to full bloom and i yes. don't want to derail god things bless too much. angela I don't want to derail things too much, Rob, but I did want to point out that you actually declined to uh, honk the horn during your intro, so you may need to do it again just for good measure. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, we'll talk about this Amazing Race episode as uh, we went through Columbia. We said goodbye to our hurdling team here, uh, Kelly and Levon, and uh, w- this was a team that we were hyped up about. We were excited to see them. Yeah, this was a this was a tough thing for them. Now, look, it's not to say that their own uh, their own, you know, mistakes or just maybe lack of certain skills got them into a bad place in leg one. But I really do feel like this leg. I mean, there were certain things like obviously if they had figured out the horn thing before a few of these other teams, they would not or made be friends with Leo and Alana. Well, yeah, we'll certainly get into that, but they they would not be in the place that they were in. But it really does seem like at least from what the show's narrative was telling us. And this is an unfortunate thing that happens on the Amazing Race to teams we like and teams we don't like. Sometimes it comes down to taxi drivers. And when your taxi driver does not have a charger, evidently in 2020 or 2018 when they filmed this, that means that you are doomed to not do well on the Amazing Race for that leg. Yeah. Just should teams ask taxi drivers, uh, what's your battery percentage at? (laughs) Well, apparently now this is going to become a thing. And, -hmm. you know, this is one of those... This is one of those scenarios that you couldn't have pictured in 2000 when they were planning the Amazing Race yeah. because mm-hmm. back in the day you didn't have cell phones and they weren't a thing. It's sort of akin to the how they had to stop doing phone a friend on who wants to be a millionaire because everybody can just google that now. Mhm. So I I feel I feel for them because it's now like everybody's going to have their their drivers whipping out their phones and looking up the address for everything. Yeah. So this is something it wouldn't have held them up back in the day. Yeah. I like your idea, though, Rob, because I know that a lot of amazing racers say experts say the first thing you should do when you get in a cab is look at the gas gauge. Yeah, well, that's... they need to fill up. <laughs> now you need to do it with that battery as well. Of <laughs> that's like, what hey. I was going to say. That like, uh, yeah, so I've got uh, half a tank of gas and 13 percent. But don't take this guy. All right. Get it. Let's find it. Let's find a different one. Or you could do now. Look, we're not super minimalist with our packing a la Hung and Chi. 
Should you pack an assortment of various cables so that if your taxi driver is in a sticky situation, you're like, no, 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 no. I got your USB-C right here, pal. We're going to go to the circus. Well, USB-C. Yeah. yeah. USB-C. Wouldn't you be worried that um, production might think you have a cell phone hidden somewhere on your person if you have the charger packed? Like, couldn't that couldn't that raise Mm. some interesting questions? Yeah. Mike, maybe the move is like a uh, PG Law style, mm. like make jewelry out of chargers, of like uh, make a necklace out of them. Well, listen, if you're Leo and Alana, apparently that's just typical nerdy wear. So <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're nerds. You wear you wear chargers around your neck. Of course, come on in. You're fine. Didn't we? Didn't we already establish that these were just wireless mic packs? And everybody had yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, just what about like dongle earrings? Uh, would that be practical? I mean, I think we should get PG on this because I feel like we could do something with this. Mm-hmm. Or I think I think maybe there's like a multi-tool situation that you could like bake charging ports into it. Mm-hmm. Like it's a battery and it's a screwdriver and it's like a Swiss army knife, but also for charging. Yeah, I like it. Uh, maybe you could charge it on the plane when you're go- coming into a new city and then uh, boom. OK, I've got zero percent. All right, we're back. Yeah, I, I, all, I love it. All the difference for Kelly and Levon. Anyway, uh, so I, I guess, should we uh, talk through also the return of the yield? Jess, were you excited to see <laughs> the yield in 10 and 20 minutes? For, uh, Mike is laughing, so I guess, uh, I guess not. I think Mike has some opinions on this, and we better just wind him up and let him go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. I was laughing because no one was clamoring for the yield to come back. No, they were not. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about the yield because when the yield showed up in what was it? It was in seasons five through 11, I think. Uh, 11 was the last time we saw it, the first All-Star season. I mean, it's it's boring TV. It's stand there and wait for a period of time. That's why we like the U-turn more is because that sort of is more of an additive time penalty, but mm-hmm. also making it actionable by doing something. Now, we can certainly talk about the strategic element involved, which I think makes it more interesting. But I don't think almost doing anything by default would make the yield more interesting. So I'm just very intrigued as to why this season of all seasons, they're like, got to bring back that yield, baby. Well, it's almost it's almost like production was like, well, Something is wrong with the U-turn. It's almost as if something has changed about it and it's not as much fun. It and I it coincides with the time we started putting it at the beginning of the task and not the end. But we that can't be it. Let's just do something else. What about that yield thing? We'll bring that back. Just did it work the same way in its initial run with an hourglass that you would have to carry on your person that you no. played? No, it didn't. It was um, it was basically it worked just like the U-turn. You'd get to the board and then you could say somebody behind me has to wait. And then the hourglass was at the yield station and they'd have to flip over the hourglass and just stand around being terrible television. I mean, sometimes it was OK. Like when Colin and Christy got yielded in season five, that was good television because they spent the entire yield just seething about it. And mm-hmm. that was that was entertaining. But for the most part, people standing around doing nothing, not great television. So that was why it went away. There was one way I thought was I've seen it work really well in Amazing Race Australia, where we kind of saw a shade of this last season on the U.S. version where other teams, everybody got together and voted for who they wanted to to yield. 
and they did like a secret ballot. And then it was like, OK, somewhere on on the course, this leg, this team that everybody hates is going to get yielded. And that that was OK. That was good television. And does it work the same way in this season where do you have to say, like, uh, if we would have seen at the end of the episode, if uh, Kaylin and Haley wanted to yield Kelly and LaVon, did they just need to put the hourglass on the thing or did they need to, like, name the team that they were going to be yielding? I would say it's probably very much like the like, like the U-turn because we would see... We've seen the racers look at the camera and say, we are choosing not to yield anyone. So mm-hmm. I think they would have to look at the camera and say, we are choosing to yield Kelly and LaVon. They'd get mm-hmm. their picture out of the thing and put it on the thing and then put the hourglass down. And so when Kelly and LaVon got there, they'd have to flip over the hourglass. Yeah, I was confused because there was not one big board for pictures like uh, like we do with the U-turn. So I guess maybe you have to put their picture like on the hourglass and then put it on top of their balance <laughs> and on top of the box. So people are like, wait, who is that? Who's that picture there? No, I mean, there, was yeah, a, there was a panel underneath the yield sign. Yeah, I think it just I'm not I'm used to like the big placard instead yeah. of like the, maybe that's a budget thing, though, too, considering that uh, our our budgets this season maybe have gone a bit skimpy on the detours and at least in the first couple of legs. Well, we're allegedly seeing um, we're seeing a U-turn next week, so they still have yeah. all the props. W turn. Yes. W turn. Yes. W turn. plus. So I'm assuming then because when the yield was first brought up. Uh, this was put on every single leg in season five, and it was only used once. But people were like, great, we're going to put this on here. They can snipe at each other all the time. And nobody really used it because, again, the amazing race is much more so about, like, focus on your own work instead of looking over at your neighbors. Uh, but I do wonder in this case if they're going to like, I don't know. I don't know how many times these yield points are going to show up. We do have nine teams with these hourglasses. Uh, but I do wonder, like, are we going to get a yield and a double U-turn on the same leg? for example, or are they going to try to purse out their twists so that they don't occur at the same time? I would imagine it's one twist per leg, but I don't know that. Like, I had a lot of questions about the yield, actually, because I don't think we can assume it's going to work exactly the same way it did when they had it before. And I think how many yield points do we think there will be is a very valid question. And uh, I think we need to wonder, like, can only one team use it per leg? Is another question I have. They didn't really get into that. Will there be other opportunities to accumulate future yields is another question I have. Jess, so if multiple teams are allowed to use it, like if like, let's say hypothetically, like Hung and Chi, we're going to, you know, yield Gary and D'Angelo. Would that just set off some sort of like yield waterfall where then every (laughs) single team would then yield another team behind them? You know, that's the smart play, I think. If somebody yields you and you know there's a whole bunch of teams behind you, you do like the Boston Rob meat block. The next team rolls up, you're like, yeah, we yielded you. You better use your yield on someone else. Mm -hmm. It's got two advantages there. It burns off their yield and it yields the team behind you so you have more of a cushion. Yeah. Okay. Yield to level the playing field. Yep, yield for the field. <laughs> yield for the field. All right. Uh, should we uh, talk through this leg here in uh, Bogota, Colombia? Uh, we're really all over the place. Uh, a lot of different uh, things to see in this episode. We started off uh, with a trip to the Nemecom salt mine. Mike, 
Did you enjoy the trip to the salt mines? The salt mines themselves looked really, really cool. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. surprised they were just given license to wander around it. Maybe it's because I've seen one too many cave-in films, but... Uh, How I was... many cave-in movies do you watch? <laughs> too many. It's a whole genre, isn't it, Mike? It's a whole genre. It really is. I, I went on a, a deep dive after the whole Thailand uh, cave incident from a couple of years ago. <laughs> wow. I thought this was just a, a joke. I no. mean, you really watch a lot of cave-in movies? I did for a portion of time, okay? But that's neither here nor there. Anxiety is a bitch. Uh, but I think that, you know, I think that I liked the, the activity. You know, there was something associated with it. I like the fact that they got to sleep in the salt mines together. I thought that that must have been, like, a really cool thing. Why didn't we see more from the sleepover? Who was snoring? Who stayed up late? Who was, you know, uh, taking somebody's underwear and putting it in the freezer? They, they they draw like mustaches on people's face. Yeah, they put their hand the in one. warm salt water. <laughs> I mean, yeah. l- I, honestly, though, considering what happens, if there happened to be a scene at that sleepover of like Leo and Alana interacting with Kaylin and Haley, I would have liked to see it because then mm-hmm. that outcome wouldn't have come seemingly out of nowhere at the end of the episode. And maybe would have been a bit more of a setup. And I do like, you know, as we're going into more uh, talk about the, the yield stuff. I really like the way it was rolled out. I mean, we can talk about like the the increments uh, a little bit more because I have some questions about that. But I like the idea of risk versus reward of you can spend a long time searching for the higher hourglasses, but there's a chance you might lose out on a spot on the earlier departure yeah. or you can, you know, uh, just grab the first one you see like Hung and Chi and then get in, guarantee yourself an early time. But maybe down the line, you're not going to have as much time to bequeath onto others. It's almost like a self-yield, isn't it? Like if you yeah. spend too much time looking for the 20 minute hourglass that you have to depart 30 minutes later, it's really you've kind of you've kind of spent that 20 minutes already. Hmm. Yeah, I did not think it made any sense to spend that much time looking for a longer yield that was going to delay you getting onto that first shuttle. Yeah, I mean, maybe and I think maybe it comes down to the increments. Like, I think the 10 minute yield, it's not particularly a nothing burger, but it's like pretty close to it. Uh, I don't know if like maybe 15 and 30 would have been better. There's just something about being like, well, I'm going to delay you 10 minutes. Maybe that helps at like the final five or final four. I don't know Mm -hmm. how much that's helping you at like the final nine, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I could see it helping you if you're the last place teams. I think this week was probably the time where you might have needed a a yield until much further down the line. Yeah, And we didn't see it used. But I feel like if you know there's only one team behind you, you got to throw it at them. The show made it seem like that Kaylin and Haley made a mistake that they were really like they're being treating it like, oh, this is going to be it. And I expected oh, they're going to get the be the last team to arrive. And it's going to be that they didn't use the yield. But no, it didn't. They play really. the idiot music under it. I think like, so. Yeah, I, I think well, they have the idiot cir- sound and the idiot music. There's like I was the gonna say that, Yeah, I think that's just the circus music, Jess. I think they were just <laughs> appropriate for the environment. Yeah. But, you know, they have that like um, what is that thing called? The it's like a water or something. That that kind of shroom sound that they play when people do something stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know uh, what it's called. I always try to find it. If I can get it isolated, I'll get it on the soundboard. So when we make mistakes, that uh, we can have that underneath <laughs> us. So let us know. 
Yep. Or is it the gong that plays when they're when they do something stupid? I know there's like a sound. It's not that, a. It's not a gong. No, it's sort well, of there's like also there's differences. Like there's the rattlesnake noise, which is when like teams make a mistake. But there's yeah. a sound to your point, Jess, where it's like they do something stupid. Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll see if we can identify over the course of the season all of the idiot music on the Amazing Race. <laughs> that Hung and Chi arrived at the cave. Uh, it, it's late October, so I, I li- really like the way that uh, we saw that Hung described the the cave. Oh, this is cool. I've never been in any like spooky caves. <laughs> such a <laughs> spooky cave. Uh, I know that Halloween is obviously a bit different this year, but in, during a normal time, I can imagine that Hung goes all out at the Hung and Chi home to create the spooky <laughs> Halloween for the trick or treaters. Yeah, she really uh, delivered that like Shaggy from Scooby Doo of like Zoink Scoob. I don't want to go in any spooky caves. <laughs> and they and they found a dog there. Maybe that was their Scooby Doo. <laughs> It's weird when there's a random animal at your site on The Amazing Race. I feel like it happens yeah, more often than you'd think. Rob, I was waiting for Pepito and puppies to, to come out. And, <laughs> and they live there. Yeah, uh, maybe that'll be next week uh, when we get to the Amazon. Maybe it's only at the Survivor filming locations. Uh, they have uh, Pepito and the visiting dogs that travel around with The Amazing Race. So... Uh, the teams are going to uh, find their hourglass. Uh, we had five teams that were aboard the first. Was it a shuttle to leave? I don't yeah, know. It wasn't a flight. No, yeah. I, I, well, no, I thought it was just they walked. They were like were able to leave the cave. at that time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, Hung and Chi, uh, volleyball bros, Will and James, Gary and D'Angelo and uh, Iswar and Aparna. Iswar and Aparna were uh, were the were the fifth team. Yeah, this and- is a very classic, amazing race. I feel like because we used to have a lot more um, hours of operation type things where you get there and you can't actually do a thing until six a.m. the next morning, so you have to camp out in front of it, or they tell you here's your departure time for the next day according to how you get there. And I, I guess that really is the first true back to basics moment we've seen this this season. All right, the teams were going to head off to a uh, temple, which is uh, unpronounceable for me. You know, Phil, Phil blew past it, and I'm like, I there's no way I'm getting that into my notes. Yeah, there was San Francisco is in there. That's the the one thing that I wrote down. Yeah, and so you have to find this bell tower and then climb up there and then grab a thing. And you were either going to get an emerald or you were going to get some sort of like a uh, gold tchotchke to go and bring to the uh, the, the uh, arch- Archivo Historio. And just did you like that it was basically like sort of like random draw which task you had to do? This reminded me too much of uh, that season 26 leg in Thailand where it was like you just randomly choose a path and you have to do all the things on that path and it's a little bit too this or that for me and you know I was very (laughs) high on this or that the first time we saw it because I thought it was hilarious and it made for the best Phil gif of all time but I don't love it when they just keep doing it over and over because I want an element of strategy in there I want them to think about like even just like, do we want to go for the raft because it's easier to find the guy or do we want to just take this emerald 
and they really don't give people very much agency here. It's just like, well, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I just say, I, I thought this was a weird episode. <laughs> this is a really weird episode. And I think that the teams were, the teams are shining much like an Emerald. I just think the task this episode for whatever reason, and it's weird because it's the only the second time that the show has been to Columbia, the US version at least. So it's not like they ran out of stuff to do, but it just felt so, I don't know, scattered to me and it showed here where you know we get the weird stuff with the yield and now we get like all right pick something out of a box and go find was it the emerald the shady emerald dealers who are just crowded in a circle (laughs) in this in the town square or go find this poor bearded man this professor tim who's going to be like well actually this is a fake just kidding (laughs) there's your clue Yeah, I, I saw, I, I think it was Brendan Fitzpatrick who made the joke about uh, it was George R. R. Martin not finishing his book. And then I was going to say it was Amazing Randy, and that was like a really poorly timed joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mike, do you feel like that when you say that sort of like uh, disjointed, like, uh, do you want to see more of like a like a through line in these um, amazing races? Because I I guess that uh, I don't have sort of like the refined amazing race palette that uh, both of you have where I didn't notice anything that seemed off. It just seemed like, you know, obviously, like you said, Rob, I think they explored a lot uh, Bogota. But for some reason to me, it just it just felt like. I don't know. The tasks themselves did not seem particularly unique to the culture. I guess that's mm-hmm. more what I'm saying of like, we've seen a decorate a car task before we've seen. I mean, maybe the circus stuff was a bit unique, but we've seen, you know, a balance challenge before we've seen a deliver this. to. And I know that there's only a handful of of amazing race tasks you can do as just like a general bucket, but it didn't necessarily feel like this is Columbia. To me, you know, whereas even last episode, I felt like the Trinidad and Tobago stuff. I very much felt that culture there. I mean, that was not the average trip to Columbia of (laughs) hang out in the salt mine, go find an emerald, (laughs) flip it in the town square, go to a circus and then trick out somebody's dump truck. I mean, that sounds like a basic day in Columbia. I will say, I, I think you're right about that, Mike, especially when you contrast it with the last time they were in Columbia, where, you know, they they played uh, Tejo and they went to the marketplace and looked at the Tejo. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I thought it was really the actual types of tasks were kind of phoned in. Especially considering, like, there are circuses pretty much everywhere, and they even did emeralds on the last Columbia leg that this show has done. So it did seem, in that regard, a little flat, and I would have wanted to see more of the city. Like, this one random town square didn't even actually seem like the main touristy square. (laughs) To to that point about maybe a way to, like, jazz up the test, do you think... That indeed, George R. R. George T. A. R. Martin should have should he ha- should there have been fakes? Could could the, could a risk with taking the gold raft would have been like oh you know it's an easier path, but there are you know possible forgeries that you have to look out for, and so they'd actually have to send them back to get a new one. Well, that's interesting. That turns it into a proper detour because we're two legs in. We haven't seen a detour yet. I mean, I assume we're getting one next week because there's a double U turn, but that would give it a little bit more finesse. And I think Mm -hmm. one of the things they're concerned about, I think the reason we're seeing fewer detours is they're worried about having to set up an entire task that nobody does. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And I yeah. wonder if that maybe gave it too much of a risk or maybe it just didn't even occur to them until George R. R. Martin said, this is a fake. And then like tried to fake out the volley bros. This belongs in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see him like also break it. Like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that maybe that uh, go and find the emerald flippers and uh, deliver the gold statue to the historian? Just like the tests were too similar to be potential detours. So, okay, let's just randomize it. I think that's that's probably fair. And I think they were really struggling to find an emerald related task. And that mm-hmm. is kind of that's one of the things Columbia wants you to associate mm-hmm. with it, because Columbia is coming back from a very long stretch of bad PR and they're trying to think of things like we have emeralds. We have a really cool culture. We decorate dump trucks. (laughs) You know, we have Shakira. It's really three. Yeah. Well, it's, it's one of those things. I just, I think maybe when you go, when Amazing Grace goes to a, a new country, or when they go to a country they haven't been to very much, a lot of times the country tells them some of the things they want to highlight. And Colombia, in this case, might have been, we want to be known as the world's number one producer of emeralds, so you need to hammer home the emerald thing. Yes, and Mm. please uh, do not visit the cocaine fields. Please steer we do away not from that. We do not want to highlight that. Uh, <laughs> I did also notice, maybe it's because like I have a special eye to it considering what we've seen from Tough as Nails. Lots of shots of Phil like holding up stones this mm-hmm. episode between the salt and the emeralds. Maybe I'm just so used to like, I don't know, the pea gravel and the rock gravel now. I know this was filmed <laughs> beforehand, but this yeah. felt very tough as nails for Phil to do That's where that. where he got the idea. Also, the more that we keep talking about, like, oh, like we got to showcase the emeralds, and uh, people want to see the, they got to visit the, go get an emerald. That I, I keep hearing emerald uh, like uh, Legacy, <laughs> and I just wonder if Michelle and Victoria, if they would have spotted him, uh, would have been so excited <laughs> after spotting Wolfgang Puck, as we talked about on uh, this week's episode of the Tar Pits. Is that a true auto yield? Is you slowing yourself down by talking with a celebrity? for 10 minutes <laughs> it's well it's actually it's a challenge it's like how long can you keep the celebrity chef there before he walks away mm-hmm. yeah so chef rodeo just try to keep him <laughs> keep him on for as long as you can <laughs> all I right love to see emerald legacy in columbia in the middle of the square like we gotta find emerald let's see well we he could him. be the greeter on the mat with phil where uh phil's like all right uh <laughs> you're t- team number one bam well and then the last team your last team to arrive bam you've been eliminated from the race <laughs> I think that would beat that big like whip cracking gaucho guy from an earlier season as like the best pit stop greeter or Phil's dad is Emerald Lagasse in Colombia. <laughs> All right, Emerald, we'd love to use you. Small caveat. Can you get on a flight to Colombia? <laughs> hmm. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. Can you, can uh, you uh, go to LAX? Wolfgang's already there. Can you just- uh, actually, Emerald? Hold on. We have Wolfgang Puck on the other line. Oh, 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 oh! oh you, you are interested. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, sorry, false just, alarm, dude. We, yeah, we just we just ran into Wolfgang Puck at LAX. I mean, we could just ask. It. Oh, okay, okay. All right, you're in. Okay, good. All right, all right. We'll see you in no. Bogota. He said no in any every race, shape, or form. Absolutely not. Okay, sorry, Wolfgang. <laughs> what if Emerald and Wolfgang are like the alternate team? 
No, you're going to pair them up? I thought they were sort of like uh, Professor X and Magneto. (laughs) Tell me you wouldn't want to see that team, Rob. I just have an image now of Emeril in like a cell without spice and (laughs) Wolfgang Puck meeting with him and they're playing chess together. (laughs) But the chess pieces are like salt and pepper shakers. Yeah, they're salt and pepper shakers. How did we get here? How did we get here? The C is for cooking now in the MCU. All right, uh, let's go. Back to, back <laughs> you to come for the amazing race analysis. You stay for the MCU fanfic. Yeah. Okay. Uh, everybody has to go and uh, find their uh, take their trinkets to where they belong. I liked uh, the uh, volleyball team saying that they had to go find their dad. <laughs> yep. Yeah, a lot of lot of beard humor amongst these guys. I mean, listen, I I still think to the point that we made last week. I still really can't tell one from the other, even though to the point this episode and they've now divided up their tasks as to like who's going to do what. I still really can't tell who's Riley and who's Madison, but mm-hmm. keep the beard jokes coming because like that's yeah, they're good personalities. We could tell that's probably one of the largest reasons why they were brought onto the race. So like they know why they're there. They know why they're there. Uh, they end up bringing the little gold trinket to uh, George T.A.R. Martin. <laughs> and uh, he's the one who says, like, uh, this is fake. Uh, really fake them out, Jess, that they thought, like, wait, we have to go back? Wait, what? Yeah, you saw the beard stand up on end when mm-hmm. they heard that. And I, I was a little shook myself. I was I was yeah. waiting for I, this was like, oh, this task is actually going to be interesting. There's going to be a twist. I like Bazinga. It. Yeah. I, if, you got pastored. Bagoda. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I think that it would have been interesting. I mean, what was weird, though, is that he says, like, this is a fake, but here is your clue. Like, it's the yeah. weirdest thing. Like, well, you did a good job anyway. So you get clue. Usually it's a celebration, right? You did this thing. Congratulations. Here's your clue. It's more so like a pity. Like, oh, mm-hmm. it's a shame that you did this and it turned out to be a fake. Here you go for your troubles. Take this clue. Well, this guy, he clearly, he, he clearly like he got shanghaied into it. Like maybe he lost <laughs> a bet with his fellow bearded professors. Like, oh, you have to go adjudicate this stupid reality show task with these stupid Americans. <laughs> and they're going to give you a prop thing. And you'd be like, yeah, here's. Oh, I guess you brought me my stupid prop thing. Here's your stupid clue. <laughs> Yeah. Justin, do you think that these people that they bring in, like, he's not a real professor, right? That this is, he's an actor? Ah, he could be a professor. Sometimes they get real people. Either way, either way, is he allowed to sort of like play jazz? Like, uh, (laughs) like, is he, is he improvising the, it's a fake, or does a producer say, like, oh yeah, you could also, like, uh, if you want, you tell them it's fake and then just to mess with them? That was all him. I, I think yeah. the producers rolled with it because the producers were like, oh, I can't wait to see the reaction on somebody's face. And we didn't see him do that to everybody. He might have no. done it to everybody. Like maybe mm-hmm. he's like, oh, that line is great. But it only worked the one time. All right, Rodrigo, yeah. your prankster dreams are becoming a reality today. <laughs> yeah. And he's going like- to dine out on this story for weeks. <laughs> he's going to be like, and then I told him it was a fake. And you should have seen the look on his and, face. And then the one guy, I don't know if it was Riley or Madison, <laughs> one of those beard guys. Then he was like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, my God, you should see your face. Right now. It looks like mine because we have beards. <laughs> and then I was like, here's the clue. And they were like, okay, thank you. You bring up a good point, though, Jess. We did not see any other fake out. So maybe it didn't. Maybe he actually felt bad after what happened with Riley and Madison. He's like, you know what? I have a heart. 
Maybe I shouldn't be. I have, I have tenure. I shouldn't. Or be the doing producer this. was like, "Yeah, don't do that again." <laughs> like, stop, stop. Was, yeah, you really upset those guys. Yeah, yeah, that makes no sense. <laughs> You're confusing people. <laughs> You're sending them back to the bell tower. They don't need to go back to the bell tower, Rodrigo. <laughs> um there was also a lot of taxi shenanigans we've been talking about the uh missing charger i think it was uh will and james mike that they were in the taxi and they asked uh uh is this the freeway or or was that uh I think it was that was the they said like oh is, yeah. is this the interstate he goes like yeah it's supposed to be <laughs> Yeah, he says, in theory, in theory, it's, it's uh, the freeway. I mean, Bill and James brought up a good point, though, Rob. I mean, as a Californian, is this just like, do you feel, how do you feel when you're out of California and you're in traffic? Does it get more aggravating or less aggravating, considering that's the status quo? Yeah, I don't think anything's as bad as uh, being on the 101 to the 405. I'm just like, get out of here. The Colombians? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that uh, we we laugh at traffic in other places. Although you know, New York uh, also uh, comparable if you're trying to go somewhere. So uh, usually, if I'm traveling, uh, it's usually I'm here or there. Not great either. Not great either way. This is why you shouldn't drive, Rob. Yeah, it's bad for the environment Uh, and bad for your blood pressure. (laughs) Bad for bad for blood pressure. Uh, all right, we're going to start getting our teams to the circus, but uh, if I may, I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. Those are our friends over at Honey. Join honey.com slash R-H-A-P. That's the browser extension that saves you money. Now, let's say hypothetically, you were in the market for an emerald and uh, you didn't want to go down to the local emerald traders that hang out in the town square. Of course, you would go online. You want to make sure that you're getting the best possible price. See that little promo code box on the bottom of all these different websites and it just taunts you like a professor saying that your gold statues are fake because you know there's some way that you could be saving money if you only knew that password that's where honey comes in it's the browser extension that knows all the promo codes and tries them out you'll watch it scroll through as you are in your checkout and it will find the best one and you get to see just how much money you're gonna save that it supports 30 thousand different sites the honey little pop-up will uh, light up and let you know that all you have to do is apply coupons wait a few seconds and honey is going to find that coupon for your site if honey finds working codes it applies the best one right away to your cart it's great especially as we are getting into the time of year when we are sending gifts to one another you're going to want to make sure that you have all of the promo codes that will help save you money i find if you're sending flowers gift baskets especially i've saved money using honey uh that all of these different sites uh there's 15 20 codes that are out there honey's going to find them for you and apply. Honey has found it's over 17 million members, over $2 billion in savings. Honey supports all kinds of retailers from tech and gaming sites to fashion brands, even food delivery. It's simple. If you have a computer, Honey should be on it. It's free and works with whatever browser you use. You can get Honey for free today at joinhoney.com slash RJP. That's joinhoney.com slash RHAP. All right. Let's talk about the Circo de Todos. 
Circus of everything? Circus, the circus of everything. Yes. Yeah. I, Phil described it in a really interesting way. He said it was a circus that specifically provokes non-violence and peace. <laughs> I did not yeah. realize that circus performers were such like war hawks outside mm-hmm. of this one circus. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that's right. That's what they do. It's yeah, like it, a gang. Didn't you know Big Circus is a military recruiting <laughs> agency? Yeah. That's a, they basically they're like a army that goes from city to city and they just like beat up on the smaller circuses and then just uh, assimilate them. So I'm not sure. I mean, I guess the only thing I could think of is, uh, I don't know, maybe there's a lot of like physical pain inflicted upon clowns. Do they instead not indulge in those activities? I don't know. I'm not a big clown guy, famously, Mike. Yeah. Well, so what did you think then when you saw? Because like, they didn't go full clown. They did put them in the weird outfits that that Hung decided to keep on for the rest of the, the afternoon for some reason and the makeup. Mm-hmm. But like, were you unnerved at all by the makeup that they had to put on? You know, it's really uh, the like uh, caked on white makeup and the hair. Uh, I think this was like uh, not necessarily full clown. This was like quarter clown. Mm. All right. Yeah. So I guess we're sort of gauging the steps of cloud by the preparatory process. Maybe that's the thing as well, is that, uh, you know, these clowns are, I guess, though, for promoting nonviolence and peace to have something called the wheel of death, I feel like is very counterintuitive (laughs) to your message. Well, Mike, it's it's a testament to the cyclical nature of life. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So so Dharma like for this for the Circo de Toto. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Amazing Race tasks are a flat circle that you have to get yeah. in and get rolled on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is the death part of the wheel of death? If you, will you fall out and get run over? I mean, couldn't I think maybe the wheel of death goes on something else like this is just uh, a, like the part where they train you to be in it and then they put you in something else like or maybe they set it on fire or something and they just decided that was a little much for this task. Or maybe you're much. meant to accidentally kill others by running them over because you're oh, essentially uh, you're operating a giant wheel. Yeah, your pro- way to promote peace and violence there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Peace and nonviolence. So- Piece of nonviolence. All right. So after you did the wheel of death, then you would have to go and walk the tightrope and carry your bottle of wine uh, across. Uh, Mike, could you have done this? I think I could have. Uh, you know, I think that what it comes down to is the heights of it all, which we saw. You know, we, we talked about this actually on Tar Pits that someone like Alana said, that, you know what? If there's one thing, you know, why did it have to be heights to make another Indiana Jones reference? And it turns out that she faced it because sort of like what happened with Gary and D'Angelo last week. They got tricked by the robot clue. They thought it was just going to be OK, clowning around. There was nothing about getting on the tightrope. And so you had, you know, Alana, and to a lesser extent, one of the volley bros have to face their fear. And that, I mean, Alana's yeah. really the only person that we saw majorly screw it up. And it's because of her fear of heights. Although kudos to Will, who really sort of like sussed that out where uh, James is like, all right, you do this one. He's like, no, 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 no. What, it could be a tightrope. Could be a tightrope that uh, that's you. And James is like, no, 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 no. It's not going to be a tightrope. He's like, no, trust me. You know they have a spreadsheet, and they came up with, like, they listed out every single roadblock that's ever been done on the show, and they decided, well, who would do this? If it was a tightrope, who would it be? Yeah, but Mm -hmm. it's a tightrope, and it's a spinning wheel, and this is a problem because Will said he would do the spinning wheel, and James said he would do the tightrope, and so now it's like they're flipping a coin. This is what hung them up, I'm sure. 
Yeah, I mean, yes. I, I think I think this this is sort of like we're sort of seeing what happens when you have two two not just one devoted super fans on a team is because I think they very much have an idea in each of their heads of like okay I know the race this is what's going to happen and so you could like I don't think it's trouble in paradise for these two but I think of all the teams they're the ones that we have seen bicker the most and I think it's because they're both so like sure about their fandom and the amazing race that like they are v- being very vocal about it. And this task would have really screwed the alternate universe know-it-alls because when they say, who likes to clown around, I would have said, I want nothing to do with clowns. And Stephen Fishback would be like, well, I went to uh, clown college. And so, okay. Uh, I forget if it's clown college or mime college. Uh, and I'm not making a I, yell I, I joke. I think it was mime. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, don't make yeah. a yell joke here, Rob. Yeah. And, 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 but then I don't know how Steve, I don't think Stephen would have been great on the wheel of death or the tightrope. It would have been good television, Rob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, well, I think he would have been struggling with the tightrope because he would just think about the concussion he would get if he fell off. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that would be. Although he's carrying the wine, I could see him being good at. No, that, that's true. All of his years of experience in the Wine and Cheese Alliance, <laughs> yeah, bringing peace okay. and prosperity to the world by bringing them wine. Mm-hmm. Are, yeah. are we sad that the uh, wine and glasses were not breakable, that they were very clearly like plastic props? I don't think you want a bunch of broken glass on your circus. That's true, especially falling from above. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a problem. And I honestly, this was not a hard task. I was waiting for the stakes to be upped. And I think this is my problem with most of the leg. I was just waiting for something difficult to happen. And when you walked on the tightrope, you had a you had the umbrella, which was actually like a disguised rope that you could hold mm-hmm. on to to keep yourself balanced. So mm-hmm. that was not actually terribly difficult. Have you done this before, Jess? I have not done this one before. Um, I don't know. You haven't done like a slack line or something? Um, I think the closest I've come... You do it all day long at work. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I think the closest mm-hmm. I've come is taking my, taking my three-year-old to gymnastics and helping him walk across a balance beam. Yeah. But you don't okay. have a live band playing can-can music below you while you're doing no, that. No, but you also don't have the sad trombone music whenever <laughs> the... <laughs> we didn't get to see that much of the sad trombone, but uh, it was there for Alana when she was uh, going to be doing uh, her task. I mean, it would have been heavily disappointing if they didn't have that, right? Like, you have a live trombone there. <laughs> yeah. It has to happen. That's the whole reason you have them. And honestly, I got to give a shout out. The strangest shout out ever to Chris Underwood for bringing yes. the idea of the ham horn app to the podcast. And remember, he came on with his air <laughs> yes, horn. Yeah. And it turns out that that app actually also has a sad trombone button. So, oh. all right, so if we don't have the idiot sound effect, we'll just play the sad trombone. <laughs> yeah, maybe they just maybe they need to just put this in the like if they're not you know, going to put the prices right fail sound. Chris Underwood do. is a game changer. Like it or not, everybody. You know, he did ways. the best with the hand he was dealt, which is all he we broke can hope the mold. for. I, I would also say, I think now in The Amazing Race, whenever a team screws up a task, they should cut literally to the video footage from the circus of that one guy playing the trombone. Just use the archival <laughs> video. Wait, so basically, you want to have sort of like the equivalent of like GIFs like in The Amazing Race. We're just going to cut, I want cut to footage of things. I want The Amazing Race prevents Rowan and Martin's laughing, where I want like interstitials <laughs> of them cutting to the sad trombone player, or like various greeters throughout. Bring Emma in there. I got 
a better idea, Mike. I can do you one better. They just need to bring that guy with them and his trombone and he's part of the production crew and he just waits at every task until somebody screws up and then he plays it live. No, I want him with every team. I want it to be two two players, the sound guy, the cameraman and the trombone player just running alongside. Yeah, you could sort of like game the system of like you're like putting like a puzzle piece somewhere and you see this trombone guy he's like ready to go. No, 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 I'm not going to go there. That's not my move. That's not my move. I'm going to put it over here. <laughs> okay so we uh got to see the teams walk the tightrope uh it, it was really only alana was the only person that had uh any trouble we didn't see anybody else uh drop anything i did think that d'angelo williams uh had a very funny episode where uh he talked about how the red lipstick was not his color which was a good line uh and then when he got across the tightrope the first time <laughs> he really was not happy to find out that okay he was only halfway done he had to go back with the glasses yeah i mean again my i, I said this last week but i'll continue i think d'angelo and gary particularly d'angelo might be one of my favorite characters of the season so far he is just so damn funny reacting to everything and to have him specifically be the person that had to sit in the clown makeup for the rest of the leg was particularly hilarious mm-hmm. do you think they told the teams that they were not allowed to remove the clown makeup or everybody was just having fun well i think this is a frequent thing that happens on the show right where you have to have a task where you have to dress up and put a bunch of paint on your face and then you end up stuck in it for the rest of the time and we do sometimes yeah. see people that really hate it get it off their face or they sweat it off or something mm-hmm. like that but I, I have to assume that the show wants them to keep it on for the rest of the leg but they're not going to penalize somebody for taking it off and I would yep. imagine that uh, Gary and D'Angelo did not pack any cold cream in their backpack. So I don't know <laughs> if they could actually find ways to take it off while they were, you know, in transport. <laughs> All right. Speaking of transport, our next task was going to be a vehicle task that Phil is going to explain like this. Colombians just love to trick out their rides. <laughs> is that true, Phil? <laughs> Uh, I never thought Phil Kogan would say trick out their rides on national television. Colombians just love to trick out their rides. <laughs> Colombians just love to trick out their rides. So I, I, that was we really with need, such confidence, we, yeah, Phil. We need Phil using more modern slang. I want him to use more Gen Z terms of like teams must yeet to the circos <laughs> para todos. Yeah, boy. Colombians just love to trick out their rides. If your makeup does not remain on fleek for the rest of the leg, you will be penalized. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder how many tricked out rides there are in Colombia, Jess. Um, I would say quite a few because apparently they just love to do it. Do they (laughs) they use our emeralds like their primary form of... Bam. Instead of instead of rhinestones. <laughs> That's what the horn says when you trick out your ride. <laughs> um, and Mike, this was this seemed like a weird vehicle to trick out. It was like some sort of like flatbed truck. Yeah, it looks like something you would use to like haul equipment or, or pea gravel. Yeah, or yeah, pea gravel, like to and from construction sites. Unless there's some sort of like parade coming up. I don't know why you need to decorate it like a float. <laughs> Yeah. Jess, was this a missed opportunity on Tough as Nails to have the contestants <laughs> trick out their ride on the damn van? Well, I've, I've, I was saying that whole season that they needed to have a logo on the side of their van like they're the A-team. So, yes, I'm going to say unequivocally mm-hmm. yes. But I think it's a common thing in Latin America 
to have like public transport vehicles and also mm-hmm. in certain parts of Africa as well. And I think even right. in Asia, we've seen the decorate a car task many times. It's like, it's just like, what is the vehicle? Sometimes it's a tuk-tuk, sometimes it's a bus. And I just, I think Mike is right that it, I don't quite get why it's a dump truck unless people like ride in the back of the dump truck and then like you get your stop and they dump you out. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, what, they just tilt it back and you roll out. That Party seems bus. unsafe. Yeah, well, because otherwise, I think if you're assumingly dealing with a lot of like dirt and dust, I don't want fringe hanging from my truck. That's going to attract <laughs> so much like unseemly detritus. Yeah, you're going to drive, you're going to drive like half a mile with your truck full of pea gravel and everything's going to look gross and grimy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think that there is, are better ways to decorate, to trick out your ride than with fringe? I think you put a, isn't the, isn't the call when you're driving a dump truck, don't you put a stuffed animal on the front of it? Yeah. Or you could, mm-hmm. or you could put like the hula lady on the, on the dashboard. I think bu- bumper <laughs> well, stickers could that. have been the way to go. You know, like my other car's an emerald. <laughs> my son graduated from Circa Paratonos as an honor student. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh teams start to uh customize uh, the truck the horn is going to uh be uh, the real thing that is going to make or break the the teams hooking up the uh very special horn jess yeah and this was interesting to me because they don't usually tell you what the thing is that people are going to trip up on. And they made sure to outline it. Like they spelled it out like, hey, moron, don't forget to hook up your horn. Mm-hmm. And I feel like every time we've seen one of these detail challenges before, they don't tell you what the detail is that everybody's going to miss. So I don't know how I felt about that, but it didn't seem to make a difference in the task itself, because even though I know Amazing Race is trying to speed it along for budget right. issues, Everybody still got tripped up on that one detail that was spelled out on the first page of the clue. Right. Yeah, that was the interesting thing to me was like I was I was intrigued, not necessarily from an editorial choice as to like when Phil was explaining the task post trick out their ride. This is they have to hook up the horn. But like the fact that it specifically said in the clue, it emphasized decorate the truck and hook up the horn. Though I guess if I was in their situation, I would not assume like, oh, yes, the horn must be hooked up. This is truly the one decoration that this truck didn't didn't you yeah. know, have in the moment. Well, we know that when you open your clue, this is uh, this is like a little uh, like behind the scenes thing. When you open your clue, there's like one page of instructions and then there's another sheet of paper under that like specially designed page that that's for the cameras. There's another sheet of paper that has details about what the task entails and it's like it'll outline the criteria for you i think this is like a legal thing there's usually a lot more details about what you're supposed to do and the fact that it was on the page that the camera sees i Mm. think that is kind of the most mind-boggling thing about all of this but just if there is a part of a task that 10 out of 10 teams miss does that mean that there is an issue with how hard that part of the task was? Well, I don't think all 10 teams missed it. I mean, did 8 out of 10 teams miss it? I mean, did we see anybody be able to just uh, get it? I mean, Hung and Chi were first and they uh, they had missed it. Mm. Um, yeah, we it saw seemed it. like... I think D'Angelo and Gary got it. I don't think they missed the horn. Okay. I, I think wonder... that was one of the reasons they were salty. I'm I'm so intrigued by the that's fact that's from that, the salt mines, Jess. <laughs> yeah. But it's not just oh, the right. fact that it was on the clue. 
But when you when the task ends with the horn being sounded, you would think in your yep. head like, well, maybe something. Let's check that horn just in case if they if, if honking the horn signifies the end of the task, then perhaps hooking up the horn means we can actually get to that point. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't hook up the horn, the horn should have done. No, oh, oh, wait. Matthew Barry's week seven love hate is ready. Oh, also. thank God. All right. I'll check that out when we're oh, done well. here. Friend Thanks, of the Rob. pod. Yeah. Matthew Barry. <laughs> that would be interesting if the ESPN alert sound played when you honked the horn and it didn't work. I mean, yeah, that's only that for old... D'Angelo Williams. Yeah. <laughs> and Gary. Yeah. Matthew Barry uh, loves D'Angelo Williams in week two of The Amazing Race. <laughs> well, I, I think that so it's interesting. And look, I could also Will and James have talked about this as well. Like I can imagine that the keep on racing aspect compartmentalized with the high altitude of it all. This might be the earliest onset of like the typical amazing race fatigue that we usually see where I, I'm assuming a lot of people were yelling at their screens like it's the horn people. What about the horn? But I do feel like as soon as leg two, people's brains have started to turn to mush. And so it's, it yeah. can make sense as to why everyone just blanks so much on the horn. It's a mm-hmm. very good point, Mike. And it's something like even last night while I was live tweeting the episode and I was I was making fun of people for not reading their clue. We actually had James clap back at me and say, uh, hey, you know, we'd been running two legs straight. We were all exhausted. And, you know, it's a good point. If super fans like them can miss a detail on a clue, you got to know everybody is really tired. So the horn was a big problem, even with the horn being honked at the end of the leg. And uh, we saw Leo and Alana, they... Uh, were they? They had a, their, their first problem was that they had not hooked up some uh, fringe on the back of yeah. the uh, the truck. Oh, I was gonna say, you, know, that one. you were talking about like, oh, every team missed it. Leo and Alana were super observant, and we're like, oh my god, they're looking at the horn. Perfect, those idiots. They spoke so loudly. Let's hook it up. And it turned out that they missed something else entirely. And that I feel like is worse, right? Because if you feel like you have the common element and mm-hmm. uh, you know taking care of. Then it could be literally anything else. And so I feel like it's worse that they had the horn hooked up first before they realized the fringe, because then they were like, well, we know it's definitely not the horn. What the hell else could it be? As opposed to everyone else saying, oh, yeah, the horn. All right, let's just take care of that. Yeah, this is like the opposite of the reading your clue thing, where you get so up in your head about the one detail that's on the clue that you miss the forest for the trees. Yeah, and so, yeah, Will and James, they were the ones that they, they were really struggling. They forgot to hook up the horn. Uh, Leo and Alana overheard them. They hooked up their horn. Uh, and then they also then passed that information to Kaylin and Haley and may have saved them from elimination. Uh, so that was uh, a really like game changing moment of Leo and Alana overhearing Will and James talking about the horn. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that, because it's interesting for a number of reasons. And I guess, you know, I I do want to bring to light uh, some comments that, you know, we're recording this less than uh, a little over 12 hours after the episode is aired. But there's already been some discourse online about the the fact that you look at those bottom three teams and Leo and Ilana chose to help out the one white team 
over the two black teams. Uh, and mm-hmm. I would encourage everybody to go to Leo's Twitter at Leo B. Folsom, F-O-L-S-O-M, because he did sort of put out like a Twitter statement about it where he essentially said, like, you know, it was done out of our bond with them. We felt comfortable with them, as they said on the show. But he admitted that, you know, there is implicit bias in there as well that you know oftentimes the people you are most comfortable with are the ones that you most closely associate with yourself and so you could understand why from an outsider's perspective it would be like well they're helping the one white team uh, and they're spurring the other two black teams that's not good and again leo and alana have acknowledged as such that it is not a good look and it speaks to their implicit bias but i would say fans need to stop digging in on them so immediately And so extremely, because I would also say, while implicit bias is certainly, I think, a factor in their relationship with Haley and Kaylin, I would also figure if there were two, if you substitute out uh, Kelly and LaVon and Jerry and Frank for two other teams in there, I do think they ultimately make the same decision. And again, not to say that it's completely devoid of any sort of bias, because that plays into the relationship that they have. But I would encourage people not to come out with the blanket statement saying Leo and Alana are racists over one decision that they made in the lake. I know it's a, this is a little bit more on the serious side, but I wanted to bring this to light because I've already seen things being brewed on the Internet. And I can understand it's a very emotionally charged topic, but I, I just wanted to, to make, you know, bring that up to for discussion. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely worth bringing up, Mike. And I think, yeah, it's hard to gauge in the moment like how much that plays into like nobody is sitting there like deeply examining uh, their implicit biases at the time. And I think I think Leo and Alana tread this very fine line um, very gracefully of saying, yeah, that might have played into it. But in the moment, it was just like, who do we who do we most uh, you know, who have we been closest to? And who are we going to help? And I, I would also encourage the, everybody to look at the strategy of it all, too. Like you have Olympic sprinters. You have, um, you know, nationally renowned athletes. And you have Haley and Kayla. Mm-hmm. Like, which one of these teams do you not want to see in the next leg? And which team would you most like to see make it through? Who's going to be your easiest competition? So if you can knock out a stronger team by helping a team that's not quite as strong, I think Mm -hmm. that probably also plays into it as well. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Kalen and Halia were in a similar spot at the back of the pack in the first week when uh, it was, uh, you know, uh, Gary and D'Angelo and then also, uh, Kelly and Levon, who were you know at the back of the pack uh, with the steel drums, and they're like, oh, look at us! Uh, uh, one of these athlete teams are going to be uh, eliminated from the race. And it turned out it was uh, Nathan and Cody who were the team that was eliminated. And I think that they might have felt like that. Okay, where we're escaping with again two of the more athletic teams at the back of the pack. One of them is going to be eliminated for Kaylin and Haley. Yeah, and I, what I will say is I think the show did not do itself any favors by again not bringing up this relationship before this moment because it all all of a sudden popped up out of nowhere that you hear Leona Lon and confessional being like, we like to have fun with the blondes. Like we want to keep them around when to your point, Jess, not only was their strategy involved, but if this indeed was a relationship that was going to bear fruit, as we saw with this decision, I would have liked to see it because now you can understand why people decide to raise red flags under some, some more suspicious circumstances. 
Yeah. And it's and it's funny. We haven't seen any of that yet. I know we're only two legs in. We have a lot of people to keep track of and there's a lot of action. But I think it really behooves the race to tell us who's getting along with whom so that when we see things like this happen, we're not blindsided by them when we don't have to overanalyze it ourselves. So there's some of that, like we watch the bonus scenes because that's kind of our job to do that. And we've seen a little bit of teams like socializing, but I, I know it's not survivor and I know relationships are not as important on this show, but when they do play a role, I want that to be set up. I would love to have seen a scene at the beginning where, like we said, like the sleepover would have been a perfect place to put that in or, you know, just show them talking to each other and introducing themselves Mm -hmm. in the airport. I think that would have been all we needed to set that up. It's possible that didn't happen on camera, though. Yeah, that's true, too. But we could get that in a confessional, too. I could just show them running together and then have a voiceover of Leon Alana saying those are our best friends. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, it, it, even outside of this, this whole decision that was made, you know, when we heard early on the episode about the yield stuff, James and Will did say like, oh, I think this is going to really jumpstart making alliances early on. And we really didn't have that in this episode outside of the first five teams being like, hey, let's work together. But I wonder if that is foreshadowing for maybe as soon as next week with the double U-turn, we are going to see much more concrete bonds this might be the most strategic season of the amazing race yet because there are so many things being thrown in there now where you can like almost weaponize your relationships uh well we like this team so we're going to give them this or punish this other team mm-hmm. all right the uh teams it was very exciting at the end of the episode with uh teams you know eight nine and ten seemingly all bunched up uh just did you feel like that based on your edit viewing expertise that it was as close as it seemed it kind of didn't seem that close i think it's really hard to convey closeness i always get fooled yeah i i know you do rob you're not sitting there saying oh this is a fake oh rob i'm so uh, yeah i'm such an amazing race uh rube not (laughs) emerald (laughs) yeah i i would say I think it's really hard when you show the teams leaving the task and then there's another team that's like in the still in the middle of the task. It's hard to put that story together and to edit that in a way that makes it seem like it's going to be close. And, you know, they there's only you know, there's only one way they do that and they do it the same Mm -hmm. way every time. So it's you know, they show a team leaving and the other team is like, we got to finish this right away. And then however long it took them, they finish right away. And then everybody's in cars in traffic, like, oh, my gosh, it could be any of us. We got to run to the mat. I I think once you've seen once you've seen that there's one team left at the task, 95 percent of the time, that's the team that's going home. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's interesting, though, because, I mean, you talk about, you know, the the advantage that Kaylin and Haley received didn't help them uh maybe help them from a marginal perspective considering that kelly and levon and jerry and frank also overheard uh yeah. that what leo and alana said so it may have put them in eighth place but i feel like the other two teams were not that far behind at least from the truck perspective because they're like oh yeah horn okay let's just do that then yeah, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like that was a deciding factor at all i think it was just a drama factor Hmm. Well, when Kaylin and Haley got to the mat, Phil was very quick to bring up. Oh, I, I heard you got a very big hint uh, from Leo and Alana. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, I guess, that, like you said, I think it was that was to create drama. Hopefully it wasn't to like dunk on them. of like, well, you're only here because Leo and Alana tipped you <laughs> off. 
Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you can tell when Phil is having fun messing with people. And can I just say, I thought Phil was super phoning it in this leg. It was... No, you cannot. You can really tell when Phil is excited to be there and when he is not. And this is pre Why? What do you, what do you? What do you think it was? I, I think... He seemed like he was very tired. I think the lack well, it's, of pit it's, uh, stop was getting to him too. But yeah, like in the middle of the pack, he's racing. just like, "I'm really excited to tell you that you're team number five and really kind of didn't care. This was before we got the you know super lit, tough as nails. Phil, mm-hmm. I think he needed a new project to really get him back on track. Should they have put in more flips from the soccer player greeter and or D'Angelo Williams? <laughs> yeah, look at that. I mean. Everybody's impressed by that. Yeah, it was impressive. Um, that I, I thought that uh, Jerry and Frank shows up. Uh, that you know Phil also uh, was you know uh, letting them know like oh very close guys you you almost you almost blew it. Yeah, I, I will also say look again. I'm I'm a big fan of this cast. I would say of those bottom three teams, I was most fine with losing Jerry and Frank, to be completely honest. How dare you? I know. I'm sorry, Rob. I don't want to hit Team Rob, but Kelly and LaVon were just such fun characters and such good TV that I think it does suck to lose them this early on. If it was mm-hmm. them or Jerry and Frank, I would want to keep them over Jerry and Frank. Personally. Well, I think I think Kaylin and, and Haley agree with you, too, because we mm-hmm. got the best soundbite of the entire episode. Um, I don't know if Rob pulled it, but uh, which one when they say, well, we got to we got to outrun an Olympic sprinter, an Olympic hurdler (laughs) and Jerry and Frank. (laughs) (laughs) You don't you don't love the bond between Jerry and Frank. I mean, mean, there's something precious about a father son bond. But other than that, they've been a total nothing burger. Like we haven't seen them. That's the thing for me. They're all tell and not show. They're like, well, yeah. we're, 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 I can't wait to be on the race together to really. And you can tell they're still using like pre leg or uh, preseason confessionals because it's them in that like open forest mm. uh, that they're that they're talking about that. We really haven't seen it yet. Like I'm waiting for that to happen. You know, Michelle and Victoria, we've already gotten their dynamic baked out over the course of the race. We have yet to see that from Jerry and Frank. I'm just too biased to my Jerry and Frank love. <laughs> you know, they're they're great guys. To I'm see sure. It. Yeah. But we need we need to see it. We need to know that they're great guys yeah. by, you know, we need to be shown, not told. Like, well, Mike I mean, said. and I'll, I'll cast, you know, I'll cast asperges everywhere. I want to see more Iswar and Aparna. They have been super yeah. purple this entire race so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's true. Uh, I think almost everyone had a really quiet week this week. Like we got a lot of D'Angelo and Gary. We got a fair amount of Kelly and LaVon because it was their week. We got some Will and James and then almost nobody else. Yeah, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of Leo and Alana because they were involved yeah. with a lot of stuff. And they were the only mm-hmm. ones that had trouble with these two easy tasks. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, it's going to be Kelly and LaVon who show up last at the mat. Uh, they were eliminated. And uh, why? They didn't read the whole clue. And I think that the whole cell phone as well, like I think, you know, I think we sort of we uh, we shake our heads at people that are like, oh, it's the taxi driver's fault. But I do feel like, again, that the taxi driver was a, a pretty significant contributor to what happened, because, uh, I mean, it had that not happened if they were like in the middle of the pack and they find out about the horn thing. I think they're they're in a pretty safe place, but it really was like a series of unfortunate events that hit them that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me smick it. <laughs> uh then we do find out that it was a really 
uh, emotional race for Kelly and Levon. They even hugged four times, Jess. Can you believe it? Four times. Four whole times. Four hugs. It's a lot of hugs. It's a lot of hugs for, for Kelly well, and listen, Levon. Uh, we live in a society now where hugging is so taboo that I think anyone would want one hug, let alone four. Four was not a lot for 2018, but it is a lot for 2020. Exactly. It's and I true. wonder, I do wonder when they parse them out. You know, like what were the moments of hug and moments of sadness? Were they in moments of triumph? What was the tone behind the mm-hmm. hugs? Yeah. I think one had to have been when they got to the mat in the last leg. That's yeah. probably true. And that's probably could, the producers was like, do you guys even like each other? Just hug already. I could see like a sympathetic one when Kelly struggled through the steel drums last week and like Levon gave her a hug like, hey, it'll be OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So four times for Kelly and Levon and uh, Jess, I can't wait to hear uh, how many hugs they've had since. I will certainly ask them that. I mean, I, I did like they have noted on social media that their love language is not hugs. I mean, just to borrow from another show this week. I was going to say um, that's, a, that's a very popular concept as of late. Yeah, they they find other ways like they hug by doing nice things for each other. They they hug through oh. words of encouragement and acts of service. So, yeah. So I will be I will be interested to hear if their hug game has changed um, or if it changed before hugs were verboten. (laughs) Yeah. Mike, anything else about uh, this week's episode of The Amazing Race you want to touch on? No, I think this this is an again, it was a weird episode for me. I think the the editing was a part of it. Like Jess said, I think after trying to introduce as much of the team as possible in last episode, we definitely have got into more of a format of like highlighting certain teams above others i am excited for next week though because rob sesternino for the first time in 17 years we are going to the amazon for you on cbs yes that uh so very excited about that and uh i don't worry next week i'll be able to talk you through this is like when they go to a place that jess has visited and uh, she knows everything about that i will be able to tell you everything you need to know about the amazon rainforest well specifically i i apparently one of willard james loses their machete (laughs) oh boy big mistake you don't want to do that how's he gonna make sandals now Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so yeah, very excited to see all of the uh, native Amazonians that I left behind uh, <laughs> once again. You're just gonna be like, hey, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, very, very exciting. Uh, we'll we'll see if they end up uh, going to some of the same haunts that uh, they did. CBS was filming at back in 2002. Well, I think a good amount of it is burned down. So I think that, you know, from from Butch. I mean, it was a very small area. Right. But, but I mean, uh, if you're talking it, about specific landmarks, I think part of that got encapsulated in a fire back in November of 2002 or three. Right, right. Uh, they're like, oh, this is this is the Butch Lockley Memorial. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, it's, and if Butch didn't get it, certainly did. Yeah, well, it's like when they yeah. when they went to Freddie Mercury's house and they thought it was like a pile of rubble. <laughs> they're like, oh, go to the go to the uh, Jacare camp. It's like, oh, this is it, the pile of cinders. Yeah. I got a uh, birthday text message from Butch Lockley this week. Oh, that's Ooh. sweet. Did he, did yes. he sign off with "Believe in Yourself"? He did not. He, he did not. But uh, you know, very very nice to always hear from Butch. Can, can and we'll you see ask if him he's if he's watching? Yeah, ask him if he's watching Amazing Race. If he wants to come on next week. 
If you're holy, I think he would. Uh, but I don't know if he, he has any insight on the amazing race. Maybe just he'll be our Amazon expert, as it were. Uh, but I mean, I think any other stuff that we have to talk about the episode, I think we can reserve for our second podcast this week. Yes. Any, any okay. cleanup we do. All right. Uh, the, Jess, could you give us a tease for the tar pits this week? Uh, well, we're, we're having a very special guest on the tar pits this week. Uh, we are welcoming from... Seasons 28 and 31 of The Amazing Race, Mr. Corey Cool will be joining Woo! us. Who has also been to Columbia. That's right. Yes. We'll, we'll have a, we have our very own Columbia expert. And I have crafted a trivia quiz about Colombian culture to inflict upon them, which I'm sure it's going to be like going to school. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know what else fun we're going to have planned. I'm sure Mike's got something cooking and we'll just we'll have a great time breaking down the f- user feedback. We're going to play the exit interview that I'm about to go into in just a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think okay. that that being said, you know, if you all have any games or segments that you want us to use, uh, we might bring some steel pan stuff back in. I've been talking with Will from America. Uh, Was it Rob? Uh, amazing race at Rob has a website dot com is the is the email yeah, address. You, that's the email address to send in your questions that I am going to be attending my brother's wedding and then traveling back home over uh, this weekend. So I will not be a part of this week's Tar Pits, but I can't wait to listen. I had a lot of fun on the first Tar Pits episode from the season. Yeah, yeah it was a really good time. I think, I think it's still evergreen as well. Even though we were talking about the first episode, there was a lot of miscellaneous stuff that we got into. So I encourage people to check it out. They should be coming out over the weekend. So it'll serve as like a midpoint between the Wednesdays that Amazing Race airs. And also, we didn't bring this up on our very first podcast, but the schedule has been clarified. Amazing Race will be on next Wednesday. It'll be on at 8 o'clock, and the Big Brother finale will be on from 9 to 11. So yes, despite the Big Brother finale, Amazing Race will still air on the 28th. Okay. All right. So be on the lookout for that. All right. Um, Mike, uh, where can people check out your exit interview and everything else going on? So my exit interview with Kelly and LaVon will be up at parade.com. Should be up uh, probably by the time you're listening to this on Thursday. I'm very excited to talk with them. Again, as I said, it was. I'm super sad to have lost them this early on because they are such fun characters, but I'm sure they're going to have a lot of stuff to say about their two legs, the amazing race. So be sure to check that out as well as my big brother exit interview for the fourth placer that's coming up as well. And then from a podcast perspective, Leon and I are finishing out the B and B with our own pair, our own amazing race S team, uh, Kevin McLean and Nigel Bocanegra stars from the class of 2020. And then over on mm-hmm. post show recaps, I know Jess and I are getting involved in the star Trek stuff. So I will seed that uh, that plug to her but josh Wig- seeds baby exactly but josh wiggler and i are still going down the hatch uh and of course we finished our big monolithic avengers endgame brent steel alongside Chappelle. so plenty of stuff going on this past week and more weeks to come okay jess uh how about you um, well, I had a very busy week for me. It's not a very busy week. Like if Mike was doing this stuff, he would not be very busy. But for mm-hmm. me, it's a lot. Um, like as Mike mentioned, we are watching season three of Star Trek Discovery and we are going to be breaking that all down over the weekend. Should be in your ear holes by Monday. Josh Wiggler and I over on post show recaps are covering uh, both of the spinoff series of Walking Dead in a podcast we're calling Fear the Walking Dead World Beyond. One of mm-hmm. these series is really quite surprisingly excellent this season, and one of them is really, really bad. And to find out which is which, you're going to have to tune in, or you could just watch them and have eyes. Um, 
So that is a very busy time. I'm going to be talking with Kelly and LaVon myself in just a little while uh, covering for Rob so he can go out and have fun. And I'm going to have a lot of questions for them. And that will also that will air on the tar pits alongside all of our fun and games. All right. Uh, lots of fun to reconnect about the amazing race this week. Very, I feel like we're in full swing on the amazing race podcast. You can subscribe to our amazing race podcast. Head over to Rob has a website.com slash T A R podcast to subscribe to the amazing race podcast only. Um, and also, uh, we appreciate your feedback and star ratings here at the start of a new season. So, I will be uh, back with you to talk about uh, Big Brother very shortly. We've got some other podcasts dropping over the weekend. A, we've been talking with T-Bird that just went up the other night with Katie Gallagher from Palau that people should uh, check out. It was a lot of fun uh, with T-Bird and with Katie. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.